bringing you the latest in tax credit news, this is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, November 3rd, 2015. We'll start off our podcast this week with the general news section. We'll all have the latest news from Washington on the new Speaker of the House, a two-year budget deal, highway funding, and the race for a new House Ways and Means Committee chairman. In our affordable housing section, I'll share a report on what the HOME program has accomplished for affordable housing over the past 25 years. In new market tax credit news, I'll highlight updated NMTC guidance from the CDFI Fund, and I'll provide a reminder of upcoming application deadlines for 2015 New Markets Tax Credit Allocation Authority. Then, we'll move on to historic tax credit news, where I'll talk about how a long-awaited bill could make the biggest changes in the historic tax credit in decades. And we'll close out with Renewable Energy Tax Credit news, where I'll discuss a new report on why the Renewable Energy Investment Tax Credit should be expanded to other sources of renewable energy. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, the suspense is officially over. A new Speaker of the House has been elected. Former Ways and Means Committee Chairman Paul Ryan was chosen to take now former Speaker John Boehner's place on Thursday. Ryan secured 236 votes, safely more than the 218 votes he needed for election. The second-place candidate was House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi, who received 184 votes. All the other candidates got votes in the single digits. Although Ryan initially resisted the idea of running for the speakership, he changed his mind after the three major House Republican groups voiced their support for him. When Ryan took the speakership gavel, he inherited a House-approved budget deal put together by outgoing Speaker John Boehner. Although it was very similar to a deal Ryan engineered with Senator Patty Murray two years ago, he was not involved in the development this time. The budget deal was part of Boehner's plan to, quote, clean house before he retired, a parting gift to his successor and to his party. Among other things, the measure will suspend the debt ceiling and thus avert a possible default on its loans. Without the deal, Treasury expected the nation would reach its borrowing limit today. The deal, the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2015, suspends the debt limit through March 2017 and sets defense and non-defense discretionary budgets for fiscal years 2016 and 2017. Passing a two-year budget deal means overall fiscal decisions will be in place until after 2016, when we'll elect a new Congress and a new president. The Budget Act lifts sequestration caps and increases discretionary spending by about $80 billion over the two years. The budget increase is evenly divided between defense and domestic spending. Spending caps in fiscal year 2016 are increased by $50 billion and $30 billion in fiscal year 2017. The House passed the budget on Wednesday with a vote of 266 to 167. 
That includes 79 Republicans and 187 Democrats. No Democrat voted against the bill. It's worth noting that while 79 Republicans voted yes, there were 168 who voted no. Some Republicans saw the bill as a backroom deal made by Boehner with the White House and Congressional Democrats. In the middle of the night, early Friday, and despite a promised filibuster from presidential candidate Senator Rand Paul, a Republican from Kentucky, the Senate passed the bill 64 to 35. Again, Senate Republicans voted 19 to 35 against the bill. And the president signed it yesterday. Now, in addition to the important things the bill accomplishes for the government and its spending needs, the budget deal includes language that will alter the IRS partnership audit process. This language could have substantial implications for the tax credit community, and specifically low-income housing tax credit partnerships. I examined some of the questions raised by the provisions and considered possible outcomes in a post on my Notes from Novogratic blog at novogratic.wordpress.com. While the full picture is still developing, we will continue to assess the provisions of the new law and inform the tax credit community about what the changes will likely mean for them. Congress will now need to turn to a long-term fiscal year 2016 omnibus spending bill that's prior to the continuing resolution expiration on December 11th. Meanwhile, there is another measure that gives Ryan some breathing room as he settles in as Speaker, the Surface Transportation Extension Act of 2015, or H.R. 3819. The President signed the bill last week to extend federal transportation funding for three weeks until November 20th. Without the bill, authorization for spending on federal highways and other transportation projects would have expired October 29th. That's last Thursday. The extension buys the House time to work on a six-year, $325 billion transportation funding bill that the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee approved a couple of weeks ago. The House bill is called the Surface Transportation Reauthorization and Reform Act of 2015, or H.R. 3763. This six-year measure includes $262 billion for highways, $68.6 billion for transit, and $8.1 billion for safety programs. Those are figures from an analysis by the American Association of State Highway and Transportation Officials. So the House measure stands in contrast with H.R. 22. That's the DRIVE Act, which was the Senate's version of a six-year transportation bill. The DRIVE Act provides $275 billion for highways, $75 billion for transit, and $8.2 billion for safety programs. Now, it's possible that a bill to extend expiring tax provisions, known as the extenders, could be added to the final transportation bill. With Paul Ryan moving on as Speaker of the House, the next question is, who will take his place as head of the House Ways and Means Committee? The Republican Steering Committee is expected to hold a vote on selecting the new Ways and Means Committee chairman this Wednesday. The candidates are two Republicans, Representatives Kevin Brady from Texas and Pat Tiberi from Ohio. Representative Devin Nunes, a California Republican, had considered running, but he dropped out on Friday after Speaker Ryan urged him to remain as Intelligence Committee chairman. Now, a candidate needs 19 votes from the steering committee to win. I posted a survey on my blog last week asking readers who they would support for the chairmanship. The survey results are in. Not too much of a surprise, 91% of respondents 
said they would support Tiberi as Ways and Means chairman, and about 9% voted for Representative Brady. Now, as always, I'll keep you posted with the latest news on Twitter. My handle is at Novogratik. In affordable housing news, a report by the Home Coalition details the significant positive economic impact of the Home Investment Partnership Program. Through the Home Program, HUD provides grants to states and local government for affordable housing for low- and very low-income residents. The report's findings illustrate the value of home funds. Since 1990, $26 billion in home funds have leveraged an additional $117 billion in public and private resources. Those investments have preserved nearly 1.2 million affordable homes. They've created 1.5 million jobs and $94.2 billion in local income. Home has also provided direct rental assistance to 270,000 families since 1992. The Home Coalition report comes at a key time, as Congress has cut home funding by about 50% over the past five years. The good news is the new budget deal that's going through Congress would raise the spending caps required by the Budget Control Act. And that's welcome news for home advocates, because an earlier Senate Appropriations Committee proposal to cut home funding by 93% would have had dramatic consequences. Cutting home funds would result in more than 36,000 fewer jobs and more than $2 billion in local income disappearing, this according to the report. You can see the Home Coalition report at www.taxcredithousing.com. Hover over Resources and click on Reports and Research. It's called Building Home Investment Partnership Programs Impact on America's Families and Communities. In New Markets Tax Credit news, the City of Fife on last week updated its NMTC Compliance Monitoring Frequently Asked Questions document. The changes include additional guidance on the use of qualified loan community investments, proceeds to pay a debt or equity provider to monetize an asset, and to clarify the guidance applicability to 2015 New Market Tax Credit Allocation Round. This is the proverbial Question 42 interaction with Question 44 for those of you that have been tracking this more closely. You can find the updated guidance at www.newmarketscredits.com. We also note that the NMTC Working Group will be submitting comments in the coming weeks with respect to the interpretation of Question 44. The CD5 Fund, I should also note, will accept questions on the 2015 NMTC application up until December 14th at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. In related news, I have an important reminder for anyone planning to apply for the 2015 round of the New Market Tax Credit Program. To be eligible for an allocation in the next round, an applicant must either be a certified community development entity or have submitted an application for CD certification by this Friday, November 6th at 5 p.m. That's 5 p.m. Eastern Time. It's important to note that CD certification applications must be submitted through the CDFI Fund's Awards Management Information System, or AMIS. For more information, go to www.cdfifund.gov or contact a Novogratic expert in an office near you. And to learn more about applying for the New Markets Tax Credit, join us for the Novogratic 2015 NMTC Application Webinar. The webinar will be held next Thursday, November 12th at 1 p.m. You can register at www.novoco.com webinars. In historic tax credit news, 
a bill was introduced on Thursday that would make the biggest change to the historic tax credit in 30 years. My partner, Tom Bosha, in our Cleveland office, says that the bill opens up the historic tax credit as a useful tool for financing historic redevelopment, both for large and small projects. The Historic Tax Credit Improvement Act would make several adjustments to the federal credit to further encourage redevelopment in small, mid-sized, and rural communities. It would also make more properties and types of properties eligible. For instance, the legislation would create a 30% credit for smaller size transactions. Smaller size transactions are defined as ones with no more than $2.5 million in qualified rehabilitation expenses, which means if you get to the maximum $2.5 million, a project would be eligible for $750,000 in credits. Another provision would allow the transfer of the credit on transactions with rehabilitation expenses of $2.5 million or less. The proposal would change the threshold to qualify for the credit to the greater of 5,000 or 50% of the adjusted basis as opposed to 100% of adjusted basis. The legislation would also change the amount of depreciable basis, the adjustment that is, from 100% of the credit to 50% of the amount of the historic tax credit. That would put it in line with renewable energy tax credits. Other key provisions, eliminating federal tax on the proceeds of state historic tax credits, limiting the definition of disqualified lease, which would allow more buildings to qualify for the credit and not limit the potential leasing of a property, and finally, eliminate the concept of functionally related buildings. The bill's sponsor is Republican Mike Kelly of Pennsylvania, and the legislation enjoys strong bipartisan support. The bill's original nine co-sponsors include four Republicans and five Democrats. The, the four Republicans are Tom Reed of New York, Charles Bustani of Louisiana, Pat Tiberi of Ohio, and Mike Turner of Ohio. The five Democrats are Earl Blumenauer of Oregon, Richard Neal of Massachusetts, John Larson of Connecticut, Ron Kine of Wisconsin, and Charlie Rangel of New York. A Senate version is expected to be introduced this week. Sponsors will be Susan Collins, a Republican from Maine, and Ben Cardin, a Democrat from Maryland. You can read the bill at www.historictaxcredits.com. You can also read more about it on my blog, which focuses on the changes in the legislation from the last similar proposal, the CAP Act. You can read that at novogradic.wordpress.com. In renewable energy tax credit news, a report released last week by the Pew Charitable Trust highlights the importance of the renewable energy investment tax credit, as well as calling for its expansion. The report focuses on the growth of wind and solar power, but it also calls for the investment tax credit to be expanded to other renewable sources. The report notes how communities and businesses are turning to green electricity that comes from local sources. Most significant to the tax credit community is the case made by the authors for the value of the ITC. As you know, the investment tax credit is applied most commonly to solar projects. The authors suggest expanding it to include combined heat and power, or CHP, and to waste to power heat, or WHP. WHP is the process of capturing discarded heat from industrial processes and using that discarded heat to generate power. Current law allows only a 10% credit for CHP projects and doesn't include WHP. The authors say that an expansion of the ITC to cover these technologies could boost CHP and WHP deployment by more than 
This expansion of the ITC was proposed in legislation called the Power Act of 2015. That legislation has already been introduced in the Senate and the House. However, it's stalled in committee. The current investment tax credit, I should note, and you probably already know, drops from 30% to 10% at the end of 2016. The Power Act would not only expand the credit, but push the expiration date to the end of 2018. You can see both the Power Act and the Pew Charitable Trust Report at www.energytaxcredits.com. The Power Act is Senate Bill 1516, and the report is called Distributed Generation, Cleaner, Cheaper, Stronger Industrial Efficiency in the Changing Utility Landscape. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. I invite you to join me again next week for another Tax Credit Tuesday. Also, be sure to sign up for the Novogratic Private Activity Bond and 4% Logomancing Tax Credit Basics webinar. The course will be held this Friday, November 6th, from 1 p.m. to 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can register at www.novoco.com webinars. That's it for now. This is Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novoco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratik and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novoco.com.